0: Friends, I speak to you today as we approach one week since rockets began to be fired from Gaza into Israel. Like so many of you, I have watched and read the news with pain and sadness, trending toward hopelessness as prospects of peace in a land I love seem to be moving farther and farther from reality. Many of us have family and friends in Israel who have been living in terror, constantly running to bomb shelters, living the PTSD that has developed in a nation that constantly lives in fear of the next attack from terrorist organizations who want nothing more than to see every Jew in the land killed or driven into the sea. We're grateful for the miracle of the Iron Dome system that thwarts so many of these missile attacks. But Iron Dome does not mean that Israel, as some in media, politics, and on social media seem to be suggesting, can sit back and allow missiles to continue to injure and kill its citizens. While Hamas launches random rockets with the sole goal of killing as many as they possibly can, many of which have landed within Gaza, killing innocents. Others of which have killed Israeli Arabs, Hamas also claims to represent. The Israeli retaliation is strategic, targeting the places from which rockets are fired and the places where Hamas leaders and intelligence plan their attacks. Israel gives notification before bombing with the goal of preventing loss of innocent life as much as possible. And yet... Even with those goals, we watch in pain and sadness as we grieve the tragedy, the tragedy of the death of innocent Palestinians. While I cannot imagine living the fear of those currently in bomb shelters in Ashkelon or Ashdod, none of us can fathom, none of us understand what it is like to live in Gaza. This too, however, is more complex than many would like to have you believe. As I explained in my sermon Friday night, which I hope you'll listen to, as it explains my perspective on some of the events that led up to the beginning of this horror that we're all now witnessing. While we can list all of the events that led up to Monday, and there are so many things that I wish had been done differently, ultimately it was Hamas that made the decision to escalate these localized issues in Jerusalem to be an outright war. Hamas was fearful of the normalization of Israel with several Arab nations in the Abraham Accords, and perhaps even more so at the prospect of an Arab party that recognizes Israel's existence that wants to work with Israel in joining a coalition with a new prime minister. Peace is not good for a terrorist organization. But even more disturbing is the fact that Hamas has learned that the more Palestinians are killed, the more sympathy they receive from the world around them. So Hamas ensures that the bombing of these places they know Israel will be targeting will result in the death of innocents, including women and children, in addition to those terrorists that Israel is targeting. Hamas also knows that these deaths lead to more support from within the Palestinian territory as well. Hamas has the opportunity to use its resources to help its people. But as is clearest in this past week, rather than using funds to purchase resources for Gazans, Hamas has purchased missiles. And rather than using concrete to build bomb shelters to keep its residents safe in an inevitable strike, they've built tunnels to protect those weapons, and their militants instead. Hamas is getting exactly what they want. And every time they do, more of the 90% of Palestinians who just want safety for themselves and their children are put in a position in which they feel the only way to get there is by supporting the ones who are in reality killing them, rather than supporting working with Israel to create a long-standing peace. And one of the hardest things to watch has been the way in which those in Israel who also do not want peace are fanning the flames. While almost all Israelis grieve the loss of Palestinian life, to see extremist Jewish Israelis participating in mob attacks against Arabs, marching through the streets chanting death to Arabs, this does not help as we try to support Israel and teach the next generation how they can love Israel as well. These right-wing ultra-nationalists were also at risk of losing their place in the government. And while this, too, is an extremely small minority, this is a voice that cannot be lifted up or tolerated in the Jewish state. And even in the mainstream of Israeli politics, of course there are things that I wish were different. Whether in our country or in Israel, whether there is a politician we support or not in power, there will always be things that we wish were different. Speaking critically of Israeli policies and speaking critically of aspects of this most recent operation are 100% within our prerogative as engaged American Jews who contribute to, defend, and love the Jewish state. But we cannot tolerate comedians, politicians, athletes, and others who try to put the blame entirely on Israel, protesting Israel's actions while ignoring the missiles and terrorist attacks against which they are defending, neglecting to even try to understand the role Hamas and other terrorist organizations play in every aspect of this tragedy, or even worse, supporting Hamas. As a colleague of mine recently questioned, are those currently protesting Israel's actions around the world saying what they would do to the six and a half million Jews living in Israel now if Hamas had its way? This conflict cannot be compared to other struggles for justice. As the underdog in this case, Hamas is aiming to eliminate not just Jews in Israel, but all of us as well. This is where criticism of Israel becomes anti-Semitism. And this is where we must speak out and be heard. But believe me, this is no celebratory rallying cry. We mourn this destruction. And as I shared Friday night, my prayer continues to be that voices of peace will rise up over voices of war. Those who need violence and death to keep their power must be replaced by those who value life over power. This, for me, has also been one of the hardest parts to watch. Because I remember as a high school student in the 90s, seeing so many programs for Israeli Jews and Palestinians to get to know each other, to learn from each other, to disagree productively with each other. As leaders of these programs, were attempting to pave the way for a new generation who could once and for all solve this conflict. But the second intifada, beginning after the failed Camp David Accords at the end of 2000, and then September 11th, made those efforts history rather than future. These voices have to be the ones that are given power again. Today is the holiday of Shavuot as we celebrate receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. Among the Midrashim, the stories that explain this holy moment, one says that as God offered the Israelites, offered us the Torah, waiting to hear our response as to whether or not we would accept it, God held Mount Sinai over our heads, implying that if our answer was no, the mountain would be dropped. I fear that we are watching yet again that mountain drop and I pray that the universal message of loving our neighbors as ourselves will prevail and that the world we leave for our children will be one in which messages like this one are no longer needed. But for now, unfortunately, this conversation will continue. So please watch your email for opportunities for our community to gather in learning. And conversation as we continue to process, learn, and grieve together. Tzur Yisrael Barech et Yisrael Smichat Our God, protector and redeemer of Israel, bless the state of Israel, which marks the dawning of hope for all who seek peace. Shield it beneath the wings of your love. Spread over it the canopy of your peace. Send your light and truth to all who lead and advise, guiding them with your good counsel. Establish peace in the land and fullness of joy for all who dwell there. As we say, Amen.